Well, if you do have Bibles there, um, either a hard copy or digital version, do keep it open. And we're going to be thinking about this breakfast by the sea that Jesus had with his disciples and how Jesus revealed himself to his disciples. Uh, but as we begin, I want to ask you to think about your relationship to mission. Uh, if you're a Christian, what's your relationship with mission at the moment? I've got four different kinds of people in mind this morning as I'm preaching this, this message from John 21. Uh, four different places that we might be at in our relationship with mission. Uh, the first kind of person I've got in mind is somebody who is unengaged with mission and apathetic. Uh, mission is just not on your radar at the moment. You're not involved. Uh, you're not sharing the gospel. And to be quite honest, you have no desire to do so. Now, you might not say that um, to a fellow brother or sister, but that's how you feel in your heart. You're not engaged in Jesus' mission. And if that is you this morning, my prayer for you is that by the end of this morning, as we go away from this place, that you will want to be engaged again in the mission of Jesus. And then there's another kind of person. Um, that, that, by the way, this isn't necessarily a, a kind of a, a, a a consecutive uh, flowchart of, of where you might go after each stage. Um, it, it, it could be. Um, but a, another kind of person that I've got in mind is somebody who um, is willing to be engaged in mission but worried. Uh, in other words, you, you're, you're a bit nervous. You're, you're a bit um, afraid of, of the idea of sharing the gospel with somebody. You want to do it, but you wonder, well, if, if I get that opportunity, will I be able to do it? Or will I just mess it up? Will I say the wrong thing in, in the wrong way? And for you, if, that, if that's you this morning, I want you to be emboldened as you go away from this time together. And there's two other kinds of people. And, and from the, the outside, these two kinds of people look very similar. Now, there's those who are engaged and passionate about mission, but also those who are willing to be involved in mission, but are weary. And these two kinds of people are doing the same kinds of things. You're involved in sharing the gospel. You're involved in mission in the local church. It's just that one kind of person is, is really fired up and passionate about this and the other kind of person was fired up and passionate but now has just got a bit weary and, and, and you know how it is don't you when life is so busy family life work life and serving Jesus can be hard at times and we do get weary and whether you're engaged and passionate or you're you're still involved in mission, but you're weary. I want you to go away being encouraged this morning. So four kinds of people I have in mind. Uh, but I also have those in mind this morning who might not yet be Christians. And if, if you're not yet a Christian this morning, 
then you're very welcome to be part of, of our gathering. And we want people who aren't yet Christians to come and to, and to spend time with us and to hear the gospel. So this gathering isn't just for Christians. It's for those who are not yet Christians as well. And this is an, an account about Jesus revealing himself, making himself known, appearing to his disciples. Uh, we read that in verse 1, and we read it at the end of the passage in verse 14. And this happened after Jesus was raised from the dead, verse 14. If you're not yet a Christian this morning, I want you to, to understand and to know that Jesus is alive. He proved that he is alive by appearing not just to his disciples, but to many other people after his death. And it's recorded for us in the Bible. That's why we spend so much of our time uh, together uh, here at FCC, reading from the Bible, preaching from the Bible. That's how we know that Jesus is alive, because the Bible tells us. Eyewitnesses who saw Jesus wrote down what they saw and heard, and we have it recorded for us. So Jesus is alive, and Jesus can be known today because he's alive. And he wants to reveal himself to you today. If you're not yet a believer... Jesus wants to make himself known to you, just as he did to his disciples back then by the Sea of Galilee. But, but why is Jesus revealing himself? Because the disciples already know that Jesus is alive. In fact, this is the third time that Jesus is revealing himself to his disciples. What is his purpose of doing that? Why does he reveal himself on this occasion by the Sea of Galilee. Well, as Jesus reveals himself, he is reminding the disciples. Uh, often as Christians, that, that's what we need. We don't always need to learn new things. Often what we need is, is to be reminded of things that we already know. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's reminding the disciples of things they already know. And there's three things in particular that he's reminding them about. The first thing is his mission. So here we have seven of Jesus' disciples hanging out in Galilee. You might remember uh, from Matthew's gospel that when, uh, the, uh, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, or he appeared to the women after he rose again, and he told the disciples to go to Galilee, and to wait for him in Galilee. So that's what they're doing. They're, they're in Galilee. And for many of these disciples, it's their old stomping ground. It's, it's where they grew up. It's where they worked, where they earned a living, many of them as fishermen. And Peter decides he's going to do some fishing again. So he says, I'm going out to fish. Now, we're not told why Peter wants to go and fish. Maybe... Uh, he's bored. Maybe he's kind of sat around twiddling his thumbs and he wants something to do. Maybe he's frustrated. Uh, because although Jesus has, has appeared and, and, and he's been raised again, the, the, the work of, of the church and the work of mission hasn't really started yet. The day of Pentecost hasn't come yet. Maybe he's frustrated. Maybe 
he just simply needs to get some food for his family. He needs to go fishing. Maybe he needs money. Maybe it's a comfort thing. He's going back to what's familiar. He's grown up fishing and, and he goes back to what he's familiar with. Well, we're not told why Peter wants to fish, but we are told the result of their night of fishing. They caught nothing. Uh, I, I've never actually been fishing myself, uh, but I imagine if, if you spend all that time fishing and you, you uh, invest in it, you get the nets out or your rod out and all the equipment, and my, I quite often uh, walk down uh, the River Trent with the dog, and I often see uh, fishermen, and the other week this guy had a huge uh, trailer of, of equipment that he was pulling down the river, and to put all that effort in and catch nothing must be frustrating. And these men have been out all night, and they've caught nothing. And this is where Jesus comes in, although they don't know it's Jesus yet. And he, uh, he turns up on the shore, on the beach, and he calls out to them, Friends, haven't you caught anything yet? Well, no, we haven't. It's quite obvious we haven't caught anything. And so Jesus gives some helpful advice. Well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. As if they haven't probably tried doing that before. As if you know, there's going to suddenly be fish on the right side when there wasn't any on, on the left side. But they do it. And of course, because it's Jesus who's told them to do this, because it's the one uh, through whom all things were made and for whom all things were made. The one who created the seas and the fish in the seas. Suddenly they find that there's a bumper catch of fish. When there weren't any fish just a few moments ago, now there's loads of fish. 153, in fact. So what's Jesus doing here? Well, he's reminding the disciples about his mission. But how is he doing that with some fish being caught? Now, what has a big catch of fish got to do with Jesus' mission? Well, quite a lot, actually. Uh, this event here in John 21 is... is a mirror image of another event that happened three years previously that Luke records in Luke 5. It's almost exactly the same thing happening here as what happened three years earlier. Uh, there's a number of similarities between John 21 and Luke 5. Both events take place at the, the Lake of Galilee. Uh, in both, the fishermen fish all night and catch nothing. On both occasions, the Lord tells them where to put down their nets. And on both occasions, it's followed by a miraculous catch of fish. And on both occasions, the big catch of fish is followed by Jesus commissioning Peter. And then Peter following Jesus. So you see, Jesus has already made the link clear between Fishing and mission. The disciples knew that. They knew that they were called by Jesus to be fishers of men. That's what Jesus says to Peter in Luke 5 verse 10. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish 
for people. But a lot has happened in those three years since that first miraculous catch of fish when Jesus first commissioned his disciples. Peter has messed up, big style. He's denied Jesus, not just once, not just twice, but three times, and publicly. And Peter must have wondered, is there still a role for me to play in Jesus' mission? And the answer that is given through this big catch of fish is yes. I still want you to be a fisher of men. We're back on the same beach, by the same lake. Here's another bumper catch of fish. And I still want you to be involved in this work, Peter. Jesus is reminding Peter about his mission. And that Peter still has a part to play in that mission. And I wonder, do we need to be reminded about Jesus' mission? That we have a part to play in it. It's not just for the guy who stands up at the front. It's not just for the missionaries that we send abroad. It's not just for evangelists or children's workers. It's for all of us to be involved in. It's so easy to get distracted from mission, like, like Peter perhaps got distracted, or to become apathetic about it. You know, I, I need to be reminded about Jesus' mission. I can find it hard to be involved in Jesus' mission. But Jesus has called me, and he's called you, if, if you're his follower, to fish for people. Because people matter to Jesus. Did you notice uh, we're told exactly how many fish are caught. 153. John could have just said, well, about 150. Or he could have said, well, there was a, a big catch. But no, he, he records the exact number. He records the 151st and 152nd and 153rd fish because the 153rd fish matters just as much as the first one that was caught. Each fish matters. Each person matters to Jesus. And if we're not involved in mission, that's a big sign that people don't matter to us in the way that they matter to Jesus and that we don't share the heart of Jesus for people. Mission is Jesus' priority and it should be ours. And sometimes we need to realign ourselves and realign our lives with Jesus' priorities. But perhaps you do want to be involved in Jesus' mission, but you're worried. You're, you're afraid of being involved. Well, we also need to be reminded about Jesus' power. And it's an obvious point, really, isn't it, that Jesus has provided this bumper catch of fish out of nothing, out of nowhere. It's a miracle. It shows us the power of Jesus. And, and John recognizes where the power comes from. He says, it's the Lord. He's the one who provides the fish. And all we have to do as his followers is just put down the nets. And the fish will come. Jesus provides them. And that's where our boldness comes from in mission. Not from our power, 
Not from the words that we speak or our techniques, our methods. Our boldness comes from Jesus' power. And when Jesus made that, uh, the, the, the command to his disciples to go out and make more disciples, do you remember what, what he promised them? He said to them, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When you step out into Jesus' mission, wherever that might look like for you, Jesus goes with you and his power goes with you. You're not on your own. He is with you. Jesus will provide the fish and Jesus will keep the fish as well. Uh, notice that the, this net holding the 153 fish doesn't break. And however many fish Jesus brings in, he'll keep the fish. He brought in 3,000 fish on the day of Pentecost. But the net was big enough for all the fish. And Jesus is working in power today to bring in more and more fish, more and more people into his kingdom. Just because we don't hear about it on the news doesn't mean that it's not happening. People all around the world today are starting that journey of following Jesus. The fish are coming because of Jesus' power. And as his followers, we just put down the nets and we trust in Jesus' power for mission. But we don't just see Jesus' power displayed here on the beach. We also see his heart. Not only does Jesus provide fish, he provides breakfast as well. And there's a charcoal fire burning on the beach. Jesus has prepared a breakfast, fish, and baked bread. It sounds delicious, doesn't it? After a hard night of fishing, Jesus provides breakfast. As he provides breakfast, we see his heart for his disciples. Now, firstly, Jesus involves the disciples. He says, bring some of the fish you've just caught. This is how, how kind and, and gentle Jesus is. He doesn't say, to the disciples, you bunch of failures. You're useless. You've been out fishing all night and you caught nothing. I've, I've had to bail you out again, haven't I? You've got into a mess. I've had to bail you out again. So bring some of the fish that I provided because you're, you're rubbish. And I've got to provide the fish for breakfast. No, Jesus says, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Jesus doesn't make it all about him. He acknowledges and he values the work the disciples have done. Yet, Yes, Jesus provided the fish, but they still had to catch the fish. Peter had to go back into the water and, and drag the net in to the shore, and so Jesus involves the disciples, not only in breakfast, but in his mission. 
He values their contribution. He values our contribution. It might not seem like very much. And actually, the, the, the power for us to contribute comes from him anyway. But he involves us. And then Jesus invites the disciples. Come and have breakfast. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that a lovely invitation? He knows what his people need. He knows that we are physical beings. We're not just spiritual beings. We are physical beings made of flesh and blood. We have physical needs. We need to eat. We need breakfast. Sometimes a good breakfast makes all the difference, doesn't it? And notice how Jesus serves his disciples. Look at his, his heart, his generous, serving heart. Verse 13, he takes the bread and he gives it to them. He does the same with the fish. He doesn't say, well, you know, here's the food, help yourself. No, he says, look, come here, let me help you to some. Maybe there's an echo here of, of another meal that the disciples shared with Jesus not long before that, the Last Supper. Jesus took bread and he gave it to them. He said, let me serve you. And he said, I'm going to serve you tomorrow by giving my life for you by laying down my life so that you can live. I'm going to give my, my very body for you. And both meals show us communion with Jesus. There is renewed fellowship here on the beach. There is an invitation to come to Jesus' table. It's a makeshift table on the beach with, with the sand around, but it, it's an invitation from Jesus to come. And share food. And, and, and John makes the point, verse 14, this was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And I just want to just make that point to you that Jesus here is eating with his disciples after he's been raised from the dead. Here's Jesus with a resurrected body, the same body he's going to go to heaven with, the same body that he has right now, in heaven, the same body he, he will return with from heaven when he takes us to be with him. And, and he's eating. He's enjoying breakfast. And that's a wonderful foretaste for us of the new creation. When we have resurrected bodies, like Jesus has a resurrected body here, we're going to eat with Jesus. We're not going to float about like angels on clouds you know, in the, the Philadelphia adverts, we're going to eat real food in a real place with real physical bodies. That's the future we have to look forward to. That's good news, especially if you like a cooked breakfast. We're going to eat with Jesus in his kingdom. And this is a foretaste of that. And what it also shows us as we close is before Jesus sends us out on mission, he wants us to spend time with him. 
We need to be with him before we work for him. I, I noticed this the other day uh, in Mark's gospel. Mark chapter 3 verse 14. Uh, when Jesus appointed the, the 12 apostles, he appointed them so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. But you know, just the, the, the order. He appointed them so that they might be with him. And then to be sent out by him. But they were with him first. So if you're engaged in mission and you're passionate about mission, that's brilliant. But don't forget to spend time with Jesus. And if you've got weary in the work of mission, then listen to Jesus' invitation. Come and have breakfast. Come and spend time with me. He wants us to be with him before we work for him. And that is where our passion for mission will grow. That's where our energy for mission will be sustained. With him. In his presence, at his table. And that's where our boldness for mission will come from. Spending time with him. And if we've failed in mission, if we've been unengaged, if we've been apathetic, if we've got distracted, then this is where we go to first. We go to him. We hear his invitation. We remind him ourselves of his heart for failures. And after the passage that we read, we see that Jesus responding to a failure, he restores Peter. Uh, one writer says that no matter how desperate our failure or how deep-seated our shame, he can forgive us and renew us and then use us in his service. Failure is never final with God. Amen? So wherever you're at in your relationship with mission and your relationship with Jesus this morning, remember his kind and gentle heart. Remember his invitation. Come and have breakfast. Remember that invitation tomorrow morning when you get up. And before you eat your physical breakfast, whatever that might be, remember that Jesus says to you, come and have breakfast. Come and spend time with me. Remember his power to provide abundantly, way more than we can ask or imagine. And trust in his power and not your own. And remember his mission. People are important to Jesus. Every fish counts, all 153 of them. So let's go out in his power. Let's catch the fish he has already provided. Uh, and let's give them the same invitation that Jesus has given to us, to come to him and enjoy life in him. Amen. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we praise you for your mission. We thank you that people matter to you. The people behind the, the doors of these houses on this estate matter to you. And thank you that you want us to be involved in that mission of calling these people to come to you and have life. Thank you that the power for that mission lies not in us, but in you. Give us boldness, we pray. And we praise you, Lord Jesus, for your heart. We thank you that you are so kind and generous and loving. You're so servant-hearted and you are forgiving. And so help us to come to you. Help us to spend time with you. And then be sent out by you in your mission. In your name we pray and for your glory. Amen. Uh, let's respond uh, by singing together. When the musicians are ready, we're going to uh, hear the call of the kingdom uh, to go out to the lost and to proclaim the good news to them.